What's going on? Hey, Ben. Uh, good, good. How, it seems we're wearing the same thing. Yeah, look, we, we've got the same thing we're on. Matching. We didn't even plan we, that. We did not plan it. Um, it's pretty cool. I'm going to pull this collar down so it doesn't get my earphones. Um, your, your collar's a little different than mine, isn't it? I'm just pulling mine down a little bit. Yeah, it is a little bit different. I wonder why. I'm drinking a limeade as well. A limeade. I'm not drinking a limeade. I'm drinking a Perry. I'm drinking a Perrier. Oh, well, this is an old fashioned. It's yeah, really come on, come on. I, I, I'm. I gotta. I gotta be the host here. I gotta be focused. You know, <laughs> I can't be having a, an old fashioned quite yet. Um, Bento from I could, Ad- drink, I could drink ten old fashions and still be more focused than you drinking a Perrier. <laughs> Uh, that my friends is probably true. Um, I, I do have a reputation for, uh, for being a little scat- scatterbrained. So that's why these, the, like going through the comments and, and answering questions that way really works well for me. Uh, because it, it constantly, I'm constantly going to like the, you know, a different thing. So it's perfect. Um, okay. We got, uh, let's see, Bentha from Abington. Awesome. Awesome. Great to have you here, Bentha. Uh, we got Rachel in the house from our Johnson City office. Thank you for that, uh, Rachel. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, Ruth got a great question on GABA and L-theanine. Thank you. Uh, let's see okay. here. Janet is here from on YouTube. Thank you, Janet. Thank you for watching the protein video. Um, all right, let's get to it. Uh, first of all, let's do a quick update. Doc, what are you seeing in the office? What's, a, what's our update for the week? Um, well, today is International Women's Day, so yep. I want to congratulate all the women for being so great. I always tell my patients there's two people you should listen to in your life, and one is your mom, and the next one's your wife. So I've got a great wife, so I try to listen to her as well as I can, and I had a great mom. Um, so I've all, I think women are just smarter than men. They're they're just better people than men. Are. I hate to say that. I'm glad to say that because it's true. It is. Uh, that's the uh, that's the truest thing we can we can say uh, on here tonight. That is, that is so true. And, and shout out to to all the women who are with us tonight. Uh, happy International Women's Day. Uh, we certainly salute you. And uh, and man, what where would we be without the women in our life? I I I don't know. I I honestly am am scared to think about it. It's a scary thought. Scary. <laughs> scary. I wish more women were running the country. It wouldn't be so, such a bad place. I agree. I don't think. I, I can't see a woman doing what Putin's doing right now. Can you? No. No. I just can't see it. But um, anyway, we don't want to get into politics tonight. We're into health. We're into health. We're Let's gonna... focus on the good stuff. So I don't know. I've, I've had a good week so far. We've been very busy. And, you know, knock on wood, we're still seeing virtually no covid it's amazing. Right it's so good. It was interesting that uh, I read today that the Florida Surgeon General recommended for the state of Florida that children do not get the vaccine. Mm. I thought that was really interesting. Well, he's going to get hell from the pediatricians down there. I'll tell you that much. I, I bet. Uh, it. I'm sure that ooh. took a lot of uh, a lot of Gutsy. guts to, to come out and, and say something like that. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I agree with him. Yeah. Healthy kids don't need the vaccine. Yeah. Notice I said healthy kids. The goal is to stay healthy, and so your your body's able to fight off viruses and stay healthy. Don't get obese. Don't get diabetic if you can help it. Um, eat a little dirt every once in a while, you know. Get your immune system up there. <laughs> I still, I think I've told this on the show before, but uh, I think 
my brother, my brother, and you know, your, your son, Andy, um, I think he tried something similar, um, when he was trying to just, you know, kind of go to the extreme of just exposing himself. And, and, and I think he ended up like breaking out pretty bad. <laughs> uh, I don't what know he if he exposed himself to. I, I think he just didn't. Was an obby? No, surely not. But I think it, it's with that eat dirt mentality, you know. Oh, um, yeah. And I, I don't know exactly what he did. And he'd probably kill me uh, if, if you know, he knew I put that on the on the show. So, you know, if, if you guys. I believe see- in hygiene and all, but I just don't believe in wearing a mask everywhere. And it's because it doesn't work, you know, it doesn't protect you. And it just, you know, it's, we're not meant to breathe through a mask. We're meant to breathe fresh air. Yeah. And, Yep. Um, so, but anyway, especially kids, you know, it's been really hard on them trying to learn in school through a, behind a mask. I mean, these poor kids, well, we're opening up. I mean, we're opening up, you know, we're open, everything's opening up. So uh, let's declare the pandemic over, be, be conscious of what happened, the mistakes we made and, um, making an all that effort to take care of your health from now on. And, uh, guys, uh, what, what do y'all? More, more will come. More will come. All right, what do y'all think? We're gonna we're gonna declare declare it over, uh, and we're gonna do everything that we can to to uh, keep our own immune system strong. And um, our way of doing that is by answering some questions on Tuesday nights. And we're gonna start with a a vitamin K question because uh, this is what the Common Sense MD was on uh, today uh, that you put mm-hmm. out. Uh, heard your podcast on vitamin K thinking about plaque in arteries. Is there anything to help clean out the plaque? Does D3 and MK7 help? What's your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, for sure. That's a great question. As a matter of fact, one of my new patients this afternoon came into me and his, he was 60, I think something his according to calcium scoring, it had gone from something like 200 to 290 in the space of two or three years. Um, you really don't need to get a coronary calcium scoring every two years. Every 10 years is good enough. But um, anyway, he was concerned that it had gone up that much and wanted to know w- what he could do to bring it down. And um, certainly um, vitamin D with K is the first thing I always mention or vitamin K because vitamin K um and MK7 just is really the best form of vitamin K2. There's K1 and K2. Go to the podcast, but MK7 is the best form of it. Um, it works great um, as a supplement, but um, it helps to demineralize vessels. So it, it helps to clear out plaque from vessels. So I definitely said get on some MK7. And of course, the vitamin D is essential for everybody. This pandemic probably could have been an endemic and not a pandemic if everybody had taken vitamin D and had adequate levels. But, of course, what the vitamin D, the K allows the vitamin D to help bring the calcium into your bones, not your arteries or your joints. So so the first step with helping clean out plaque would be um, K. And I also mentioned you might want to get on some EDTA, uh, that uh, chelator. And, um, you know, certainly um, do all those other things that, that you want to do, like um, get a, I set him up for a carotid IMT test to see if that plaque is soft or calcified, you know. So, 
um, and all the other stuff that we always talk about, insulin resistance and uh, stress plays a part, sleep, the whole the whole deal. But uh, but yeah, that's that's some good ways to get plaque uh, out of your arteries. Those are the two biggest ways: is the MK7 and um, EDTA are two great ways, and there, there's other ways as well. But um, uh, great question. And, yes. and, and I'll go ahead okay. and ask this because I'm sure people are going to put this uh, or going to ask at some point. Um, you mentioned that you might go to a pure MK7 at some point. Is there a uh, a brand you like for just straight up MK7? Um, I know you're taking the combination. Uh, probably orthomolecular. Orthomolecular makes a great MK7. Okay. Um, it's just straight up know, MK7. Not, you, need, you need K1 and K2. MK7 is just the the best form of um, K2. K1, which comes from plants, you can get that through eating green leafy vegetables. And then there's K2, the main forms of that are MK4 and MK7. MK7 is just the one that that lasts the longest and seems to help with uh, demineralization of your vessels better. So that would be my choice. Um, you know, right now I'm taking one that has a little K1 and the two forms of K2, which is MK4 and MK7, which is great, but, you know, just for future references, if you're really a purist, you can think about that. But please get vitamin K, K2. Remember that. All right. Thank you for that, guys. Um, all right. Next question. My thyroid hormone medication seems to have stopped working. I changed brands twice. Still no improvement. I read that this is becoming a trend. Why is this? Any suggestions on what I can do. Thyroids are tough to balance in some people's uh, regimen. I mean, their numbers can be all over the place despite them being on the same dose. So, you know, you do kind of experiment around with the different forms of uh, T3 and T4. Um, but you have to look at other things too, like is your cortisol level normal? Cortisol, cortisol and insulin interact with thyroid on the minute to minute basis. So if one of those is off, your thyroid is going to be off. It's going to be very hard to regulate you. But again, the numbers are there, but I go more clinically on how you're doing. You know, sometimes uh, adding iodine helps. Um, you know, if you have Hashimoto's, certainly you need selenium and zinc and a gluten-free diet um, and probably a dairy-free diet as well. Um, you know, see what kind of gut problems you have. It could be an absorption problem. Um, you may need to dose it at night instead of in the morning. Definitely, you know, on an empty stomach. Um, so those are some of the things. It, it gets complex. It really does. So keep trying the different forms. Sometimes I'll have people on uh, both at once. Like, um, you know, I, I prefer NP and Armor as a standard for me instead of Levothyroxin um, or Synthroid because those are just T4. The Armor and NP are T3 and T4, T3 being the active form of thyroid. Um, but people are different. I mean, you have to work around it a little bit. Sometimes I'll add, if they're on T4, I'll add Cytomel, which is T3. Um, you usually have to dose that twice a day uh, instead of just once. But um, sometimes it can be a, a job, but don't, 
you know, look at the numbers, but also look at the symptoms, your body temperature and things like that. So it can be, it can be kind of complex. It really can balance in the thyroid. Um, so I hope that helps you. But, um, all right. Thank you for that question there. It came over on email. Um, all right. Let's get to uh, the next question here. All right. This is a hormone question. I know every case is different, but in general, do you think it, it is too risky slash increases your risk of breast cancer, et cetera, to start hormone therapy four to five years after menopause? Um, no, I don't think it's too risky. It's better to start it before you go into menopause, you know, um, women's hormones are a lot more complex than men's because they have four hormones that, um, change every month. So they drop off at different rates. The first one to drop off is usually progesterone. So you get estrogen dominant. And when you have too much estrogen in, in relation to progesterone, you tend to get fibrocystic breast, uterine fibroids, crazy periods and sometimes too heavy of periods, clotting, that type of thing. Um, then anemia and all the other things that go along with it. But so and it's known that by the time you are in full-blown menopause, which is one year after no period, you've already lost a lot of your bone volume. You know, one of the reasons you're doing this is to preserve your, your bones. Um, so it's, it's better to start early, but it's not too late uh, for sure. Um, it's it's not going to increase your risk of breast cancer um, by starting on a little bit late. As, as, you know, we use bioidentical hormones. We don't use um, synthetic hormones. Um, you don't want to start any form of estrogen on a woman that already has breast cancer. That's why you need you know, your mammogram or if you do thermography, that you need to get that uh, clear before you start. And then you need to, need to undergo your regular monitoring. Um you know, and, and keep an eye on, you don't want to get too much estrogen. And you want, remember progesterone protects your breast against too much estrogen. Same thing with your uterus, with uterine, uterine prevention of uterine cancer. Um, you know, you can't give unopposed estrogen to a woman who has a uterus. You, you need progesterone to protect. So in a lot of ways, progesterone's, you know, the, maybe the primary female hormone, uh, but you need Oh, and women need testosterone as well and DHEA. So um, every case is different, but no, I don't think it's too late to start HRT four to five years after menopause. Um, it's very important. Um, you know, if women take bioidentical hormones in midlife, they're about half as likely to get demented as if they don't. So you're looking at brain protection as well, heart protection. Uh, that type of thing. So, so it so it seemed it seemed that they knew you might say no. Um, and the follow up is, if your answer is no, why do you think so many traditional MDs are still saying this? And I think this is a common question. It's the reason I wanted to add this in there. Yeah. Well, they're just way behind. They don't do the research, and uh, you know they're 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 telling you what they learned in medical school thirty years ago, forty years ago. In my case, that's what I was taught, but. Um, um, if you do a deep dive into it, again, I did a fellowship in this years ago, and, you know, I didn't have any clue about hormones. Most doctors just don't know about hormones. It's not their fault. They're just not taught that. And they're going to take the standard answer that they've been going on for years and ignoring all the benefits uh, of it. 
So, you know, we're, we're not looking for normal. I mean, I'm not scared to practice medicine. Uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, a lot of people, especially your gynecologist, for some reason, those are the people that should know hormones the best, but I've found many gynecologists don't know the difference between a, a bioidentical progesterone and synthetic progesterone, which is medroxy progesterone. They're entirely different chemicals, molecular structures, if you look at it. But, um, you know, and their standard answer is, well, you're going into menopause. Let's either put you on the birth control pill, which is synthetic hormones that are dangerous at that age, or Prozac because you know, you're getting depressed because of it. So that's a lot of times a standard. Plus, there's no money in, in hormone replacements. You know, I mean, you know, it's easier to just say, no, you're getting old. But the thing is, we're living a long time. When your hormones decline, you decline in every way. It's like nature saying to you, you're finished reproducing, start dying. The problem is we're living a long time. So if you don't live that second half or third of your life without hormones, you're going to get brittle in the brain, in the bones, in your energy, your skin, your hair, your vitality, your libido. You lose muscle. You gain fat. Um, there's every reason in the world. So most traditional MDs just don't know. They're not familiar with hormones. That's as simple as answer as I can get it. So, you know, do your own research. Read Dr. Pam Smith's book about all about women's hormones. She's one of the leading gurus of women's hormone replacement. She's a well-respected internist in Detroit. And uh, she had a great book on it if you want to read it. But um, so, you know, it's up to everybody what they want to do. It's just kind of a shame that, um, you know, a lot of doctors just don't know the recent research on hormone replacement therapy. You know, a lot of doctors still think testosterone causes prostate cancer or heart disease. It doesn't. It prevents them, you know, and they don't know that you should check estrogen levels in men as well, you know, as well as testosterone levels in women. So it's just lack of knowledge. It's not your doctor's fault. Just they, they have, if they start taking a deep dive and seeing a, thousands of patients that, uh, you know, tell them it's changed their life and you can see it. So, um, you know, we're not meant to you just wither away. Um, so that's my short answer. Well, that was well said. That was well said. And, and if anybody knows anybody that is uh, afraid of hormones or is hearing that, you know, hormones uh, are dangerous, uh, send them to that clip, guys. Because uh, that you should be afraid. You should be afraid not to take hormones. That's right. You know, more afraid not to take them. But get your checkups. And, you know, there's some, there's a few women I wouldn't put on any form of estrogen. Um, but, and again, it's complex. You got to, you got to think which pathway is this going down? Which ways is the estrone being metabolized? There's three different pathways. There's three different forms of estrogen. Uh, so it's, it's kind of complex and they don't teach this in school. They just don't teach it. Well, our, our, our hope is that more and more, um, you know, providers out there are going to be, are going to be learning this stuff. So they, so, you know, we can help more and more people, yeah, um, or at least keep an open mind and say, Hey, yeah, I don't know much about this, but go to this person who does know they do a lot of this they are very familiar with it. So this is where you should go. Not just no, you know, you shouldn't do that. Lack of knowledge. All right. Let's get to the next one here. <clears throat> I want to add resveratrol to my vitamin routine. 
what are your thoughts are brand and dosage? And they go on to say that they, um, they purchased life extension resveratrol 1200 milligrams and then heard on a podcast, um, Dr. Sinclair's lifespan podcast, which is actually really good. Encourage everybody to check that out. Um, it is not well dissolved in water and to be effective, you need to mix with food and dose approximately at 200 milligrams. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think 200 is going to work better. You know, you can't drink enough red wine to get enough resveratrol to, to really expand your lifespan, I don't think. So resveratrol is a great product. Um, I agree you need to take it with food. And I, I like, you know, you should, if I like the Life Extension brand, but just take two of them instead of one. Uh, you know, Dr. Sinclair, I love his podcast and I've read a couple of his books and uh, he's a pretty smart guy up at Harvard and really on top of the aging uh, protocols and, um, you know, it's just, I really kind of follow him pretty closely. Uh, interesting guy, smart. All right. Let's go to, um, let's go to this. This came over from, uh, Instagram. Um, is there a protocol for vaccine injury? Um, you know, there's, there's several different protocols for it and everybody's different on that one. Um, that's tough. I mean, you know, we've seen quite a few vaccine injuries from, complete loss of hearing to neuropathies to Guillain-Barre to chronic dizziness, loss of smell and taste for prolonged periods of time. Um, a lot of dizziness, headaches. Um, just there's a lot of stuff that, so the two that I automatically put people on are almost kind of like I treat a long COVID patient. Um, I like NAC and acetylcysteine. I like omega-3s. I like to make sure your vitamin D is is up there. Um, and it just depends. I mean, there's a lot of different things that the vaccine can cause. Anything COVID could cause, the vaccine could cause as well. Um, so sometimes you could develop pot syndrome for it. And, you know, with the tachycardia, I use evabradine. Um, it's just so different. I mean, there's so many different things that it could vaccine injuries could do. Um, but definitely, you know, eat, you got to get on a great diet. You got to look at your gut, just like you would treat a long COVID patient for their gut microbiome. You should, you should look at that as well. So you just got to get everything in order. Uh, and maybe a few different supplements, definitely like NAC. That's one of my favorites. Um, and omega threes, um, come in and get a Cleveland panel and look at that and look at your inflammatory markers. And, um, you know, I've tried to, I've used ivermectin at times on vaccine injuries and, you know, sometimes you get some improvement with that. Um, all right. uh, That's a good question. Sometimes I use steroids. Um, I look at your adrenals and it's a toughie though. All right. Thank you for that question. Um, let's go to the look at your heart. Look at your, you know, sometimes we will do an echocardiogram as well to see if you develop myocarditis. Sometimes steroids work for that. Um, but, uh, I don't know that that's a short answer. All right. Let's get to this one here. Cause I, I think this is probably going to, uh, be relevant to a lot of people, uh, here with us tonight. Um, I like mm. you take a lot of supplements any suggestions for getting them all down smoothly? Uh, I, I, I completely relate with this question. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? 
That's a good one. I'll tell you what not to do to, to get them down smoothly is pour them all in your blender and make your smoothie out of it. I did that one time and it was the most god awful taste I've ever tasted <laughs> in my life. So, <laughs> so don't do that. Don't grind them up like that. Um, that's a toughie. I mean, I do, I split them up, you know, since I do intermittent fasting, uh, I, you can, you can take the B complex and C, you know, on an empty stomach, but then I space mine out during the day two or three times. Uh, so just space them out. Most of the supplements you take with food and, um, you drink, it forces me to drink a lot of water. Yeah. You know, I don't drink enough water. So it really, you know, helps me to, to drink more water. So, um, and some of the pills are kind of big. It's not fun to get one snagged in your throat. No. <laughs> that a few times. Gosh, it is not. <laughs> I've learned how to take a big gulp, you know, and uh, don't lean back and swallow them. Lean yeah. forward. You know? uh, I'll never forget one time uh, I had one stuck and uh, I called you and, and you had me jump up and down for a little bit. <laughs> I felt yeah. so crazy. Uh, Massage your throat down and... <laughs> It's going to go down. It's not it going to choke down. you. Yeah. But man, you'll feel terrible at times when it gets stuck. It's no that. fun. It's, it's no fun. Nah. Um, all right, drink let's get... a ton. If you get one stuck, just start, keep drinking. Just try to wash it down. Um, or <laughs> eat or, or have like a, you know, get some food in you, uh, uh, to some degree. Um, all right, let's go to the yeah. next one. Uh, let's see here. I saw that chlorophyll can be used for anemia. Is this true? Do you recommend it? What else can chlorophyll be used for? Chlorophyll is just a great, um, it's a great little supplement. You know, I'm, I've, I've taken it in the past. I need to get back on some more. It's, um, it's just a plant pigment that is a great uh, antioxidant. And uh, you can get it at most good vitamin stores. We don't carry it. We should, but we don't. Um, yes, yeah, some people have used it for anemia because it has some of that heme pigment in it. Um, I think hematology. Uh, but yeah, I think it can help. You can certainly get on it and see what it what it does. Um, it's supposed to enhance athletic performance as well. Um, but uh, so certainly some people anemic will do it, enhance athletic performance, uh, inflammation, it helps. Uh, it may even help your gut. A lot of people use it to kind of calm their gut a little bit. Um, it's just real green, you know, and it usually comes and put the drops in water. Uh, but yeah, chlorophyll is a great little product, great uh, flavonoid, so which means plant pigment with all that good stuff in it that um, acts as an antioxidant in your body. Hope that helps. All right. right. Thank you for that question. Um, all right, guys, it's that time. We are going to um, move into the comments and take questions. So if you have a question for uh, Dr. Rogers, go ahead and put it in the, um, in the comments there. And I need to have um, somebody... Someone on the team, if we could go to last week's broadcast. I know we missed a few last week, and um, I want to see if we can't uh, get some answers in there. Um, if you could put those in the comments, I'll know it's you um, if you put that in. Um, okay, let's get to some some questions here. Uh, just go ahead and get going. Um, 
Let's see, let's find a question. Uh, let's start off with Aram. Aram always gets our our uh, our brain uh, our brain going. Uh, can Doc talk about nutritional yeast non fortified? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I haven't used it personally. Of course, you definitely want non fortified if you can get it. You don't want anything processed. Um, you know if. If you have a lot of gut problems, you can try it. I don't use it a lot, just mainly because I'm not, you know, an expert enough to really even talk about it sensibly. But um, I know Robin Riddle uh, probably knows a lot more about it than I do. That might be a good subject for a, a uh, you think one that's of Robin's podcast. You think let's, that's an explain this episode? Yeah, let's let's get that on and explain this and we'll ask Robin Riddle. Okay. And, I, you know, good feedback for anybody who's tried it. Um, you know, I've, I've heard people doing it, but, um, I'm, I'm really not enough to tell you the great benefits about it. Um, so Aram, thank you. And I'll, I'll try to I'll try to get back to you on that one. Aram, thank you for putting that on our radar. Expect, uh, more on that soon. Uh, let's go to Kathy who has a sleep question. Uh, what can I do to help me get to go to sleep, uh, to get through the night? So can't sleep, uh, at all at the night. So it seems that they can't stay asleep. Uh, what's your, you know, kind of, you know, two cents on that. Gosh, you know, sleep is so important and you need to find out why you're not sleeping. Um, you know, good sleep hygiene is always important. Go to bed the same time, get up the same time, sleep in a completely dark, cool room uh, with no lights and no, you know, get in a real relaxing atmosphere before you go to bed, like take an Epsom salt bath. Definitely take your magnesium at night, which will help you. Uh, I put a lot of women on progesterone, which helps them sleep. Um, some people get what I call mind chatter. They just can't turn their minds off um, at night. And for that, I, I like L-theanine. I'm sure you've tried melatonin. Sometimes you have to work the doses up pretty good. Um, you know, if you snore, you know, you may be trying to breathe through your mouth. You could have sleep apnea. There's so many different things. One thing I like, can you see my aura ring? Ben, you see your aura ring. You have yours on? I don't have mine on. Um Mine is well, right. That, that'll tell you. You may be surprised at, at what your sleep pattern is, but the aura ring, or you can get a whoop ring, can show you actually how much sleep you're getting, how much deep REM, your light sleep, your sleep latency, your movements. You may have restless legs. There's so many things that could be affecting your sleep, but you do need to get to the bottom of it because if you're not waking up feeling refreshed, then um, you know, you need to figure that out because it will add years to your life if you get a good night's sleep. Um, so there's many, many factors in that, but it may deserve a sleep study, may require you to do some monitoring yourself and trying some different things. CBD oil is a good one for sleep. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of little supplements that are natural that you can do for sleep. And then and some rare people, I'll put them on a little Lunesta or there's some um, orexin agonists out there that are coming out that's going to be new um, that may help you sleep. So I'm not against even using a prescription medicine to get you into a sleep pattern. And, and while we can figure this thing out, because you, you desperately need to sleep. And if it get, becomes too patternizing, then it's really bad on your health. So 
um, see somebody that knows something about sleep is willing to help you. One, one thing that's really helped me is uh, I, ever since, you know, COVID, I've been taking Zyrtec at night along with melatonin. And man, that does, I, I really, <laughs> I sleep great. Um, so yeah. that's also another thing to, to try. So thank you for that, uh, Kathy, for the for the sleep question there. Now let's get to a um, Terry's question on uh, Ozempic. Do medicines like Ozempic, which ask the pancreas for more insulin, stress the pancreas or help the pancreas get more used to giving the insulin? It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, it really doesn't make you pump out more insulin from your pancreas like a sulfonylurea does. I hate the sulfonylureas for treating diabetics. I never use them. This works completely different. Um, um, it's a GLP agonist, which it's a glucagon-like peptide. But some people like to say gut, liver, pancreas, because it helps all three. It delays gastric emptying, so you feel full. If you're talking about for weight loss, again, it's a diabetic medicine as well as a weight loss medicine. Um, it really just makes your insulin more effective at putting the sugar from your blood into your cells. Um, so I don't think your insulin levels are going to go up. So it's not like it's going to fatigue your pancreas out. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but it, it, it also hits your appetite control center uh, in your brain um, and decreases the output of glucagon, the storage form of sugar from your liver. Uh, so it works in four different ways, really, but no. So, um, it really doesn't burn your pancreas out. Um, I just don't see that. It's a great question. A really great question really there, question. Kathy. Thank you for, uh, oh, sorry, it was, uh, Terry. Thank you, Terry, for, for bringing that up. That's a great question. Um, okay. Let's go to Ruth's question, um, on GABA. Uh, can I take GABA or L-theanine while on an antidepressant Lexapro? You could. I mean, you know, I would prefer you probably take L-theanine on that, but you sure could. Um, GABA is kind of like a um, natural Valium type uh, herb. L-theanine, which is comes from green tea, is more like an adrenal adaptogen. It it really gets with. It's really great with um, for mind chatter. L-theanine is. So I like that, um, but so if you have a lot of angst, if the antidepressant Lexapro is not um, causing, it's not helping your anxiety, then you may consider an herbal adaptogen. Um, you know, uh, Lexapro is a you know a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, so. Um, you know, you don't want to take to I don't think GABA increases your serotonin levels much. But you know, you don't you don't avoid what's called serotonin syndrome, but uh but uh, which is too much serotonin in your synapses. But um I'd say I'd prefer L theanine. I think I think that'd be safer probably. Uh but you probably do okay with GABA as well. Uh, All right. Thank you for, for that question, Ruth. Um, let's get to uh, Mark's question on YouTube. 
Um, is it possible that vitamin K2 can prevent scalp calcification, which is where calcium builds on the scalp and prevents hair growth? Yeah, it is. That's interesting. It is. Uh, I didn't mention that in my podcast today about K2, but yeah, um, I have read that, that it can. Um, great. Great, Mark. I mean, Mark's really not got it. He's got a great head of hair. What's he worried about? But, <laughs> Mark, no. you're looking out for everybody in here. Uh, well, Mark so, has one of the best head of hairs out there. I don't know what he's worried about, but uh, he's into health, that's for sure. And he, he's, he, know, he d does a deep dive as much as any of my patients. Uh, thank you for that for that question, Mark. That, I know that helps somebody. Uh, we'll have to add a little addendum uh, on the, the article that came out on K2 today. Um, okay. Yeah, it's great to see Mark last week and fantastic as always. Thank you, Mark, for all that you do for us. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, thank you, Mark. Um, all right, let's get to a um, uh, question on Facebook. Thomas, um, I feel like beta-glucans have kept me from getting sick since I started taking them. Um, it, I'm not sure if this is a question. Maybe maybe that's a, a comment. Um, yeah, I, I like beta-glucans. You know, They're really immunoprotective, no doubt about it. Um, we probably don't emphasize them enough. It's on one of the supplements I take. I forget which one it is, but, um, but yeah, beta glucans are great. Um, they won't raise your blood sugar either. Kind of like D ribose will not, which I use sometimes uh, for energy, will not raise your blood sugar. But um, yeah, uh, some people combine their beta glucans with aloe. And there's a little drink that has both of them in it that's pretty good. But it's uh, interesting. Uh, good comment. Thank yeah, you for that comment, things. Thomas. Uh, like I tell you guys, like, man, uh, information in the comments is as valuable as the information that's coming in. Uh, These on, people on are the smart broadcast. out here. They're, You're telling you know, me. They're really smart, you know. They, they, they put in words that I, I can't even pronounce. Um, uh, so I, we appreciate those comments. Thank you for that, Thomas. Um, okay, let's get to Motaz's question. Uh, Motaz asks, I have a quick question about Sir Morlin. What is it exactly? How does it work? What are its benefits? And what does the doc think of it? Yeah, that's a great, great question, Motaz. And it was good talking to you as well. Um, always located in the cold. I think he told me it was 13 degrees in Michigan today. But, Jeez. you know, the good, the good doctor has a way of getting through things like cold weather. Yep. So. You know, he always keeps a good attitude. He gets in the gym every day, you know. Um, I haven't seen him in a while, but he, he's probably shredded as he usually was, you know, back when I used to see him as a patient, you know. <laughs> he'd come in, and it was almost intimidating when he'd start posing down and flexing his muscles. But um, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, but some more, that's a great question. Smorlin's a peptide that I use a lot of. And pep, again, peptides, and there's a lot of them, um, just like Ozempic's a peptide, but it's a string of amino acids that um, produce an action somewhere in your body. They turn something on. Uh, and I like to call Smorlin a secretagogue. That means that it helps your body secrete more growth hormone. Um, you know, Growth hormone is a great hormone, uh, but it's controversial. It's illegal to prescribe it in Tennessee uh, unless you have dwarfism. Um, but growth hormone has its drawbacks as well. Number one, nobody could afford it. It costs you about 1200 bucks a month, um, and it could cause 
your sugars to pop up for a while. Uh, hyperglycemia can cause some fluid retention, carpal tunnel. Theoretically, if you had an occult tumor growing somewhere, it could cause it to grow faster. Um, but um, so for most people, growth hormones out of the question. But Samorlin is, is an option if you feel like um, you're not recovering from exercise. It's really works synergistically with testosterone uh, because um, it increases your body's own production of growth hormone, which is think of that as think of growth hormone as a repair hormone. Testosterone is an anabolic steroid. It, it promotes muscle growth. Well, what um, Samorlin, there because it increases your own growth hormone levels, it's safe naturally, it is a repair hormone. It helps you recover better. Um, and I have a lot of people, I had somebody yesterday tell me that since they got on Samorlin, you know, their joints weren't sore so much. They recovered better uh, from exercise. I mean, if you exercise, but you're sore for three days and can't walk and can't recover, no matter how long you do it, then you probably ought to think about Samorlin. And, you know, and growth hormone decreases the older you get. Every year it goes down. So if you're old like me, you're not going to have much of it. So I think Samorlin's a great little product. It, it, it's not going to work overnight. It's going to take uh, a couple months probably. I have some people that it kicks in a little quicker, but it's usually um, little subcutaneous shots you give in your abdomen, just like Ozempic. And you do it at night, an hour before you go to bed, because that's you get most of your growth hormone produced uh, at night. Um, you do it five nights out of the week. Um, to give yourself so you won't get tolerant to it. But I like Samorlin. I really do. You, you may want to consider it, you know. Um, uh, people tend to lean out a little bit on growth hormone as well. Hmm. Um, so it's a good product. Really All right. Thank product. you for that question, Motaz. Um, let's get to uh, another hormone question uh, on Facebook. What is the benefit from testosterone pellets versus testosterone injections? Uh, this is a great, it's a great question that, uh, a lot of patients ask, uh, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Kind of what's your comparison there? Well, you know, of course I do a lot of pellets. I do a lot of shots. Um, I'm not as hip on the testosterone creams. I just don't think they work as well. Um, I have a few patients on them, but don't like shots, but, um, you know, we certainly can use them, but usually the shots, you know, are pretty short acting, um, you need it once a week at the very least. Um, I have some patients that can get by every couple of weeks, but really need them weekly. Those are just for patients that don't like a shot, don't want to get a pellet. But, um, and I have a lot of people that even like testosterone, it peaks in a couple of days. So by day seven, it's pretty much going down. So you really, you know, if you really do it right, you probably give your shots twice a week instead of once a week, but it's just hard to get shots twice a week. That's why I love the pellets. You know, it takes me about three minutes to get them in. They look like Tic Tacs and it's just, you know, pure testosterone. And I embed them in the hip, right? The same place I'd give you a shot, find a little fatty fat pad back there on your upper part of your butt and make a tiny little incision, put a trocar underneath into the fatty layer to put the pellets in, put a stair strip on, you're done. And you get a, the reason I like the pellets is because 
which was actually was the first form of testosterone replacement was actually pellets decades ago. Um, and if you read, you know, Dr. Abraham uh, Morgenthaler's, who's the expert from Harvard on testosterone replacement, he he loves the pellets. But in any event, they're they're compacted to release at a set rate so that you get a more even dose. And you don't have to worry about going up and down. It's all even. Let's see that way. It's even like that. Um, it usually lasts about six months um, without doing anything. You may have a sore butt for a couple of days, a little bruising maybe, but um, it's probably the best way to get testosterone. But I even have guys that microdose testosterone. They give themselves uh, just a little subcutaneous shot to an insulin needle daily of testosterone or every couple of days. You know, that's called microdosing of testosterone shots. That's possible as well. But uh, so that's a, the, the benefits. You get a nice even level, not the ups or downs. Probably don't get as much conversion to estrogen uh, as you do from the shots. Um, and I, I see less side effects from the pellets. Like some people rarely get swelling on their feet from testosterone shots or acne. I certainly see less side effects from it. So think about, read about the pellets. That's a good option. Is, is the reason there's less conversion um, because of anastrozole? No, uh, no, not at all. I don't have to put anastrozole in the pellets. Rarely have to. Okay. It's just because it's a slower, you don't get that peak. You're more oh. likely to aromatize or convert to estrogen when you get too high. So you're peaking and troughing. So it's a great question. Great question. Uh, thank you for that question. Uh, Jeff, hope that helps. Um, let's see here. Let's get to, to D. Lynn's question. Um, my husband's cholesterol is high, 132. Doctor said either uh, atorvastatin, atorvastatin um, or fish oil with B3. We told her the statins hurt him. Could we do omega-3 and B3? She said B3 would cause flushing. Uh, I'm confused. Um, I've heard a lot about the B vitamins with flushing. Uh, what's your what's your quick answer there? Yeah, that's B3, of course, is niacin. Yeah. Yep. If you buy the non-flush formula, which is niacinamide, it's a good supplement, but it won't lower your cholesterol. Now, first of all, <laughs> your husband's cholesterol is 132. Uh, you mean his LDL is 132, probably. But that's a low total cholesterol number. Um, and 132 for an LDL is not bad. What he should do is come in and get a Cleveland heart panel to see what the size of his particles are. That's where all the money's at, you know, and looking at that, his amount of oxidized LDL and other risk factors. So, you know, atorvastatins, of course, is a statin, Lipitor. Um, and, you know, I don't think everybody needs a statin, you know, unless your cholesterol is really high familial hypercholesteremia or you've had a stent or a bypass known heart disease. I don't slap everybody on a statin like a lot because there's a lot of side effects from a statin. Like they hurt him. They made his muscle ache. They can damage your liver. There's a, they And plus you need cholesterol for brain functioning. So you don't need to bottom out your, your cholesterol. I see so many people in there who, that have a cholesterol level that's too low. Remember testosterone and thereby all your hormones come directly from cholesterol. So you, you really, don't need to lower your cholesterol that much. Um, the thing, and cholesterol doesn't cause heart disease anyway. Um, 
you know, so look at all your risk factors. Get a CT calcium, uh, Cleveland heart panel. Um, you can certainly, and I'll look at it. Not, you can certainly take niacin. Uh, there's a strategy on how to use it, though. If I start somebody on vitamin B3, which is niacin, and certainly omega-3s, omega-3s are great for triglycerides. They're not too good at lowering your cholesterol, um, to be honest with you. But um, and 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 this Cleveland panel will will uh, look at all your fatty acids and see if you need how much omega threes you need, and how much linoleic acid you have in your body, which is an inflammatory form of omega. It's called omega six. But um, so if I do nice and B three, I start out. If you go, you can get it over the counter at anywhere. You're usually going to be a 500 milligram. You take one of them, you'll never take it again because you hope you feel like you have an allergic reaction. You'll go to the ER probably. Um, so, and it's just the flushing that it causes. Um, so I start out when I do dose uh, nice and I start out, I have to order these because you can't find them at a hundred milligrams. I dose it at night with an aspirin. So you'll sleep through the little bit of flushing you're going to have, and you'll have your aspirin there to help it. And then I increase the dose by 100 milligram every four nights to get up to a gram and see what that does. Sometimes I go higher to two grams. But so um, go. Look, my advice too is look at all your other risk factors. You may not even worry about your cholesterol anyway. But uh, so get a get a better workup on it. Get a Cleveland Heart Panel where you get everything checked and get a CT calcium scoring to see um, how much plaque you have in your coronary arteries and look at your other risk factors. Are you a diabetic? Do you have hypertension? Do you have a strong family history of heart disease in the fifties and sixties uh, and, and things like that. So don't automatically say, Hey, I have to go on a statin. You know, you don't. Um, Great question you know. there. Thank you for that. D Lynn. Um, let's see, let's go to, I, I want to put this up there for, uh, if you do, thank you, Raynette for, for putting this in there. Uh, Robin did and explained this episode on, uh, Sermorlin. So if Motaz or anyone else who wants to do a, a deep dive on Sermorlin, uh, you can find that, um, on our YouTube channel. If you search performance medicine, Sermorlin, uh, that'll come up and, um, let's get to, uh, let's see a question we missed last week is here. Uh, what do you think of, about EMF in the bedroom? Uh, this is a missed question from last week. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure. I, I guess it's electromagnetic field. Frequency. Yeah, Frequency. Electromagnetic free yeah, a lot of people think they're bad for you, and they probably are. It's hard to avoid them. So, yeah, I mean, you know, so if you live under a huge power grid, power lines is probably not a good thing for you. Having your cell phone by your ear all the time is not a good thing for you either. Um uh, but yeah, it's, it's probably optimal if you don't have EMFs in your bedroom, like your phone sitting right beside you or your iPad or, you know, anything electronic. Um, it's probably, you know, especially if you have problems, you know, if you, you know, some people um, don't do well with them. Some people probably okay with them. Uh, like about 20, say mold, about 20% of the population extremely allergic to molds the other 80 percent it's not really going to bother much so i mean it just depends but um if you're a purist you probably think about eliminating emfs in your bedroom when you sleep you know plus you you want things dark and quiet so but there are, those things are out there buzzing around so um 
All right. Thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, let's see. This is one right here. Uh, th- th- we definitely missed this one. Thank you for that. Um, my vitamin, my vitamin B is 1400. What is the normal range? Uh, this is from last week's Q and a, I assume you mean B12. I think it's B12. Yeah. Yep. It's gotta be B12 because you can't just get a B level. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that just means you're taking vitamin B or getting it somewhere. Uh, because that's a good high number. I like it around a thousand, but remember if, if, you ever get like on the Cleveland panel, you're going to get a vitamin B12 level on that and a folate level. Um, and if your B level says high, like 1400s on high, that just means you're taking B12. It means nothing. Keep doing it. So you're getting good B, you're getting a good B12 level. So if it's high, don't, don't let your doctor say you're taking too much B12. It's going to hurt you. It's a water soluble vitamin. It's not going to hurt you. You know, it's going to help you. Um, so that's a good number. All right. Thank Keep you. Taking it. Thank you for that team. And, and let me, I'm going to get to a few more questions, uh, with the, with the people that are here right now. Uh, let's see, let's go to, let's go to Roel. Um, I, I've actually become kind of interested in creatine. I'm, I'm trying to do an, an interview with, um, this creatine author. I know if you're interested in creatine, you've heard of this guy and, uh, his name's blanking on me right now, but expect an outside-the-box episode on creatine. Uh, doctor, I'm hearing more and more that plain old creatine monohydrate is really having some big benefits. Uh, and I think that might be it, Roel, if you had a follow-up question or uh, maybe just yeah. have you heard the same thing, Doc? Yeah, I have. I've read some recent articles. We ought to have a podcast on creatine. But, I think so, too. You know, initially here, well, it's just going to cause cramping. It's not good for you. The high school football players are taking it. And, you know, from being a team doctor for 30 more, 35 years, a lot of the guys take it. It does tend to, you know, increase your muscle volume. It's a lot of water retention maybe in the muscles. But it's really – there's a lot of recent evidence that it – prolongs lifespans and and helps you know anything that that helps your muscles is good in my opinion unless you overdo it but um within reason but um you know you don't have to load with it you just take you know a gram anywhere from one to three grams of it so i think it's a really good thing i I think it's probably good for your joints you know you, you need to drink enough water with it uh some people, if they get real dehydrated, could cramp more with it. I saw that in the, on the football fields. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good thing. We'll we'll take a deeper dive on it, Ben, I think, yep. with the podcast or uh, maybe an outside the box on it. But, uh, uh, thank you yeah. for that, Roel. It's one of those anti-aging supplements. It really is. Tony Robbins, I think you read some, yeah. some things in the new Tony Robbins books about creatine and, uh, you know, uh, Let's so get read, to- read his book. Let's get to Johnny's question here. Um, I've read that ascorbic acid isn't the best form of vitamin C. Uh, any recommendations? Um, sodium ascorbate is what a lot of people think is the best. But, you know, you know, if you tolerate things on your stomach, it's probably not a huge difference uh, with that. Um, but, yeah, I think you will read some of that. I'm not real picky when it comes to that. Um, but sodium ascorbate is probably the best form of it. All right. Thank you for that, Johnny. Real quick, let's get to Janice's. Uh, what can you do for rheumatoid arth- arthritis? I know that's, you know, there's probably a lot that you, you have there. Kind of what's your, you know, uh, in general, what are you doing for rheumatoid arthritis? <laughs> well, you know, 
It just depends on how long you've had it and, you know, how deformed it's caused your joints to be. You know, it's another one of these autoimmune diseases that may start in your gut. It actually may be kicked off by Lyme or, you know, some other infection that we don't even know about yet. So, um, you know, some of the things that I do outside the box, well, of course, I try to balance your gut, look at your gut microbiome and, and try to get your gut functioning as normal as possible. And sometimes I'll even um, use doxycycline, an antibiotic, for a month and see how that helps. If it does, you know there's probably an infectious etiology to it, like Lyme, and then maybe do some pulse therapy. Certainly, um, you can use traditional non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Uh, um, curcumin is a natural anti-inflammatory. I like that one. Sometimes I use low-dose naltrexone for it. I mean, there's a lot of heavy hitters with that, you know, like methotrexate and some of the neurobiologics and all, like Humira and things like that that are kind of, I don't prescribe. You really need a rheumatologist to regulate uh, biologics. But, um, you know, there's some things I do outside the box. Uh, you know, look and see if you can look at the other stuff first, because it is an autoimmune disease with some trigger. You know, and a lot of it depends on the stage that you have. It, it can really cause a lot of joint damage. Um, but remember, once you have one autoimmune disease, you're more prone to have another one. So you've got to get your inflammatory situation under control. And that starts in the gut. So... All right. Thank you for that. Let's get to, this is going to be the last question here, guys. Uh, and if the ones we've missed, we will uh, do something similar for next week. Um, Thomas, I, I just, I think this could help a lot of people here. Uh, my eye doctor said not to take zinc because it causes macular degeneration. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? You know, I didn't know that. Um, but if your eye doctor told you not to take it, don't take it. Yeah. He knows a lot more than I do about macular degeneration. Yeah. You know, you think about taking the vitamins that are good for your eyes, maybe like omegas, vitamin A. But, you know, if, if he's seen some evidence that, that you should, you know, do that, then stop taking it. By all measures, you know, take his advice on that is my opinion on that. Uh, Thomas, Again, I like to blend the best of traditional along with, you know, uh, natural stuff if you can you can't ignore uh you know what people especially are and what they know about it so um people get too on one side so take the best of both yeah you know and if that's if your eye doctor says that then you don't you know you don't want that to progress um but uh, there's a lot of evidence that um you know a lot of vitamins may help macular degeneration. You don't want that to get worse because that's a, not a great thing to have. Um, um, hope that helps, Thomas. And uh, I think that's a, a great place to end tonight, guys. Um, I see that, you know, I, I have missed a few, and I'm going to make sure we get those on next week's show. Uh, and I'm going to try to be a little more, uh, I'm going to do that hopefully uh, tonight. Um, guys, this has been great. Thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us, Doc. Uh, it's just good to see you. <laughs> thank you man good to see you too you know for those of you who don't know you know doc is my dad and this is kind of our you know this is our we father are related. Son time. we are related <laughs> we so grew up together we did we did so um, I, I appreciate uh you guys hanging out with us uh on these two and good luck with the, the tennis team in south carolina this weekend dude. that's right that's right they're going to do a little coaching they'll uh, do a little uh 
Well, well, a lot last of people don't coaching. know much about Ben, but he's actually an All-American tennis player at University of Tennessee in the day and played some professional tennis around the world. So he's kind of modest. He won't tell you that. But, <laughs> well, and well, he also won't tell you. I taught him everything you knew about tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Uh, <laughs> I did what I could, you know. Um, guys, this has been a blast as always. We will be back uh, next week, uh, Tuesday at 7. Uh, for those uh, who have not checked out the, the shows that came out today, uh, we did Vitamin K for the Common Sense MD and uh, Explain This with Robin Riddle. We did Are You Getting Enough Protein? We highly suggest you guys uh, check those out. Um, it's been a blast as always. We love you guys. Uh, as always, we will see y'all next week and i'm gonna find my outro and then we are out of here where are we at all right see you guys don't go away Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.